0: Modern organizations eventually face data governance challenges. Keeping track of where data came from, what system updated it, and in what ways they can update it are just some of the issues you'll face. Large organizations have additional challenges like training, onboarding, and capturing the institutional knowledge that leaves with the departure of key team members. As a team grows, these challenges often grow faster for unprepared organizations. SelectStar helps companies unlock the full context of their data. Their solution automatically catalogs and documents your database tables and BI dashboards. In this episode, I interview Shinji Kim about the functionality of SelectStar and how companies have achieved successful adoption. Shinji, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Thanks, Kyle. Nice to meet you. Good to be here again. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, for listeners who didn't catch your earlier appearance, could you give us the quick summary? What does SelectStar do? Sure.
1: SelectStar is an automated data discovery and governance platform. What we do in a nutshell is scan the metadata, the data warehouse uh, BI tool or different applications, and show it in a way where anyone can use to find and understand the data they have access to. So usually instead of just getting the list of table dashboards or databases and schema, we will also tell you for each data set or dashboard where the data is coming from, who's using this inside the company today, what are the dashboards that are built on top of this, and how are other analysts using the data. So it provides a lot of automated, auto-generated context, and also uh, we also put documentation on top of it. And that is basically a base portal, like a data portal, or like a hub that a lot of people can use to additional documentation, define metrics, and also uh, utilize on top of any other data stack.
0: So when I've had roles that were really uh, sort of analyst positions at, at heart, or despite whatever the title might be, where I was going to spend most of my time in the database uh, looking things at things, uh, preparing reports, that kind of stuff. I've always had some sort of IDE, be it you know SQL Server Management Studio or the Snowflake portal or whatever. There's some sort of formal workbench I'm in. How do you imagine your tool sitting alongside whatever the analyst is in besides that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So today, SelectStar is primarily used as an independent tool. A lot of data team uh, use SelectStar, as the starting point as if it's their Google for data. So this is a place where you will find and learn more about either the the statistics or how the table is being used um, before you decide to actually query it. If these are tables that you already know and you are querying every day, then you may not use SelectStar. But if you have hundreds and thousands of tables, or if you need to dive into data model that you haven't used before, SelectStar is a great place to start. We are starting to add more support and features to enable more, like, Normal data consumers be more familiar with just the BI tool, or they want to stick with more of their, like an IDE. So we do have an API available for teams to be able to pull select data to different tools. And we do have a few integrations and plugins that are works so that uh, select data can be displayed with their tools as well.
0: One of the hardest parts of an analyst's life is the early period of time when they've just started a company. As you described, there could be hundreds of tables, and there's just a lot to take in. How does SelectStar help that professional?
1: You're talking about for data engineers or data analysts?
0: or? Well, I guess I had an analyst in my mind, but if it's uh, applicable to both roles, let's hear uh, both routines, yeah.
1: Sure. So our primary user base today are data engineers and data scientists and data analysts. And most of the time we uh, work with data platform teams uh, that are tasked to better environment and for the data consumers, primarily the data analytics team. And first and foremost, uh, data platform teams, once they set up Flexstar, they get to understand which are Dash of the tables that are being used the most, or not being used anymore. Who are the main top users, or who should be kind of like the owners to document the dataset? So with that insight, as they start inviting the data analyst team, the analyst teams can start putting either documentation, tagging, or ownership of data. And also, they would use SelectStar Star primarily to search and uh, like finding and understanding the data better.
0: In my own experience, I know one of the hardest parts of the job is when you first join a company and you're unfamiliar with the schema. As you said, a data warehouse could have hundreds of tables. There's a big learning curve there. How can Select Star help a new employee get their head around the data?
1: Yeah, for sure. Data discoverability is really where one of our focus is I mean, our major focus is today, (laughs) and where that manifests itself is to help new analysts or people that are starting to learn more about data to be able to be more proficient on the text. The way we do this is, first and foremost, by providing a really simple user interface. Regardless of how technical you are, you should be able to easily search and filter through the information that SelectStar uh, displays. And as much as the interface is really simple because there is there can be a lot of uh, deeper detailed data, a lot of that is something that analysts and data scientists can dig into to understand the data set better. Uh, in fact, some of our customers are now having SelectStar as one of their data scientists or data analyst onboarding package. So from like the week one or day one of that data team member, they get to use SelectStar to get onboarded to the data that they work with.
0: When using your user interface, what type of searches can users do against the data? Search. They can just
1: type any keyword, and that will search through what's been indexed from select start regarding the name of the asset as well as description. It will also index through any tags, or you know that can also be eventually like the also users and whatnot. So anything that matches the keyword will show up. One thing that uh, we do really well is combining that search result of the relevance with the keyword, with popularity. One of the things that SelectStar does underneath when it connects to your data warehouse is looking at how the data has been used inside the company in the last 90 days. And part of that is looking at the select queries executed and by whom. And a lot of that comes down to hence, how many unique users have queried this data set how many times. And based on that, we have a relative score that compares every single table, every single column, and every single dashboard to assign this popularity score. Based on the popularity score, we will rank sort the search result, which is one of the aspect that we consider for our search results. So in Select Star Search you'll be able to see everything that like matches the keyword, but you know it's also very often that you'll be able to you you are gonna get like hundreds of results if you just put let's say like an order or a user as a keyword. But because we will use the popularity ranking find the one that everyone is using or the ones that are most official as the top search results.
0: I really like the idea of looking at the actual search logs to come up with your popularity metric, but I'm also curious, do you have to do any statistical analysis or post-processing on that because, you know, like the most popular word is the, and that's rather boring. Do tables turn out in a more, you know, obvious way when you look at raw popularity or is there some munging to be done there?
1: Oh, the popularity, it's not by the usage of select star. It's actually coming from SQL queries and the dashboards. So like Dell would probably want, so what we do underneath with the query history is that for each successful query, we will look at which table and which column has been mentioned, how many times, by whom, when. And based on that, we will run a, a stats on to calculate the popularity score.
0: Obviously, you can index table names and column names and their types and things like that, things all database users know exist. You'd mentioned that there are tags as well. Could you expand on what other types of metadata you can index?
1: So in SelectStar, we allow users to create their own tags. And currently, the tags are, can be a category tags, which are going to be collections, of data, so this is where you can use to tag whether this data set is related to like sales, marketing, finance, operations, so on and so forth. We also have a tag type called the status where you can mark any table or column as PII, sensitive, gold, silver, bronze, or certified or analyst approved type of uh, status of the data. So these tags are select star specific And we do provide a way to sync this, these tags and which columns or tables are tagged back to Snowflake. This is one of the integrations that we have with Snowflake. We do have a new feature coming up where we will be able to sync uh, tags along uh, with dbt as well. But today, most of the tags are currently being used uh, within the select star context. And obviously, this is also available as an API. So if the customer wants to replicate in other systems, they can use do that programmatically.
0: Can you expand on any of the ways you're seeing different organizations use these or features you have in the tags that can help people or better organize the way they leverage the tagging system?
1: So the part that we really recommend our customers is to use tags as their part of collect of tables, columns, dashboards, and or documents. We have all tags where anyone can see the full view of how the data is laid out within the organization. And from there, if you were to go into that specific category tag, like finance or marketing or sales, they'll be able to find out not just like tables or data sets, but also documentation or dashboards or uh, users because it will have its own description, owners, and some explanation through the icon that it has. So this is a way that we see how having it in quote-unquote like folders with tags, you can basically apply this we apply multiple tags in the same asset and I think that's really neat way to organize data
0: overall and do you provide a suggested taxonomy or do I come up with my own categories and subfolders and whatnot
1: We give some suggestions but what we find is that most of the time customers already have their own way of organizing their data and a lot of them also, already do this in their database through different schemas and databases. So we try to just ensure that they are aware of the structure of the tags and they can match it into their organizing data internally.
0: So many companies are concerned about privacy and PII data, and for good reason. One strategy is then don't let any vendors in, you know, keep your data kind of locked up. What can you do for someone who's very security conscious about their data?
1: Yeah, so currently our SOC 2 Type 2 compliant. So we have internal measures and all the data is encrypted at rest and in transit. Uh, We've gone through a number of pen tests and auditing to ensure that we have the most secure way possible to treat our customer data. And by default, our customer we access from select star is metadata and logs only. Meaning, by default, the access that we get, or the service account that uh, we, our customers will create to connect to SelectStar, has only access to the system level metadata, not the actual uh, values of the data. So, with that, by default, most of the time, do not have any access to sensitive data or PII. I would say, like a less than one percent of the chance, if we end up seeing. Any values that might come through that may be sensitive, that of a like a PII, just through the logs or SQL queries, that is something that we strip off for any fields that are PII. So this actually happens in memory before we actually parse through the rest of the query. But when whenever we match any tags that are marked as PII, when we process it, we will take that value out first. So within SelectStar, you want to search through any values or any sensitive yeah, values within that's been loaded for, to SelectStar. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. I'm curious if you've seen any patterns in the way different organizations adopt the tagging principles? Like I could imagine one company has strict rules about how you tag things and others are more freeform. What are typical deployments like?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I would say it really depends on the organization, but more often what we recommend and also what a lot of customers do today is for the data platform team or the data analyst to. Team to come up with like a high level taxonomy of how they would uh, categorize either the status or the uh, domain level that they wanna um, specify. Once that is in and they have some many examples, as they their data analysts or data scientists get uh, more used to select star, they start either creating sub tags or they will just use those tags to different tables, columns, and dashboards. And this is how we generally, so that there is a good high-level framework that you're working with. At the same time, you are giving freedom for the actual data consumers and the main users to put more tags and add any specific tags that they need.
0: There have been a number of occasions in my career where I've left a role and kind of taken notice of how much institutional knowledge I was taking with me. That you know I was the only one who knew that the development team changed the definition of a certain column and you had to adjust for it. Things like that. How can Select Star be used to socialize some of these you know kind of hidden wisdoms or skeletons in the closet, if you will?
1: (laughs) Yeah, this is something that we're trying to do. There's so much we can do, obviously, just from looking at the logs and metadata. But today, one of the things that we bring out automatically is column-level lineage. So end-to-end lineage for Star will show from your raw tables and the downstream effect all the way to the dashboard level. And this will also be shown not just between one table to a dashboard. We will also show how the transformation has happened along the way. If there are any transient tables uh, in between, or if there are different like a uh, data models that has been created in between, whether that's on the data base side or the BI side, this really brings a lot of visibility of whenever there is a change that might be made on a table or a column. Uh, you get to see right away. We have like a area where we share all the assets that's going to get impacted. Who are the main top users of those assets? and who created those assets and uh, their own popularity, and when's the last time it was updated. So what this gives you is that, let's say, if you're thinking about deprecating a table, you can look at whether the downstream assets are actually being used today or not. It may be safe to deprecate it, even though there may be like 10 different dashboards, if the dashboards are themselves haven't been looked at for the last six months. So that type of analysis is all baked in. And I would say that is one part that really brings out this context. The other ways that we try to do this really easily is by providing a way to leverage some of these relationships between the data assets that we have uncovered along with lineage and ways that we determine what we call related tables and similar tables. So in select star today, if you update a column description in one place, you can propagate the same description down to either the downstream lineage or upstream lineage, or even tables that look exactly the same, like either a duplicated table or tables that look very similar. So what this means is you can write documentation once, and update it without having to copy and paste documentation. Other parts of where we are trying to make this easier is by bringing and adding public documentation that already has, like, let's say, like the definition of like the main public uh, SAS APIs um, and how that would, if we see like a matching table column names, we will uh, give you a suggested documentation. And this suggests that documentation also works through lineage and similar tables. So even if you don't have any documentation that's been updated, if there is somewhat of a related documentation somewhere in the metadata of Star, you'll be able to see that without having to wonder about or ask anyone else. Regarding the transition of the context of data. One part that we recommend is setting the ownership as a team. So today we allow you to set business owners and technical owners and that those can be so that it's not really just geared towards the individuals. If it's a team level, team members get like notifications and they are responsible for like either maintaining the documentation or maintaining the quality of data. So that's like another way that we're trying to preserve the context. But at the end of the day, there's so much of like automated context that we gather from which data sets are being queried, who's querying this, and where are they using this data on regarding what is really the purpose of this query and uh, what is the business context that's specific to the dashboard is something that we recommend our customers to add as an annotation of in the form of tags and documentation. And anything that you add, we are trying to basically either replicate it or make it super visible so that there is a single source of truth that you can refer to and the and everyone can dis- discover it really easily, so that they don't have to do uh, the same work again. Even if you like leave the company, there there is like some context left in Select Star.
0: So I know Select Star is a solution that sits on top of my data warehouse. Could you expand a little bit on what technologies you integrate with and support? Sure.
1: So today we support every major cloud data warehouses, including Snowflake. BigQuery, Redshift, and Postgres. We also support direct integrations with uh, cloud-based BI tools. Well, actually also with Tableau server. So that's not all, uh, that that can be behind the firewall, but we can integrate Tableau, Looker, Mode, and Sisense. We have other integrations that are coming up very soon, including Power BI, Sigma, and uh, Metabase as well.
0: So, to the best of my knowledge, there's no like unified agreed schema for how we describe metadata in databases uh, you know like uh, in particular, I've done it on SQL Server and Postgres and MySQL, and I believe they all work slightly differently That's just right if I want to query <laughs> Could you talk about some of the challenges of these integrations? Oh uh, yes
1: yes so I mean, it is a challenge that's all I can say. Every really data warehouse and also the ITO are very different in a way. How they store metadata, also beyond metadata, because we require query logs and activity logs, uh, getting that data also is slightly different per database or any data source that we integrate with. So, for example, for Snowflake, we just need access to their Snowflake database account usage schema that includes primarily just the metadata, uh, and underneath account usage, there is a table called query history where we will get the logs from. Whereas if we were to integrate with either Redshift or uh, Postgres, First of all, the the admin on the customer side would have to enable like audit log and like user activity log. And then they would need to also like make sure that those logs are available in the S3 bucket that we have access to. So uh, that's kind of like just an example of the hoops that you have to jump through to get the right metadata. On the BI side, uh, sometimes we get uh, in terms of the activities. Well, I guess let's talk about the metadata first. On the BI side, like for example, Tableau has like the structure of workbooks and data sources uh, and within workbooks, there are dashboards and sheets. Whereas like for Looker, there's a separate data model for like a LookML model with explorers and dashboards and looks. Uh, and then for mode, it is just uh, primarily the queries and mode reports. So these are all different types of metadata that we need to consume through and also match in the sense where uh, it looks consistent within select star. Plus, it varies between the tool regarding how we could get the understanding of the popularity and lineage. So it, that really comes from whether the BI tool also supports sharing the information around views of the dashboard versus whether we need to get these types of information from the queries that that dashboard generates whenever it runs.
0: My mind when I'm learning about SelectStar goes right to how this would help my onboarding experience. But I'm also curious, as you've been able to observe uh, different customers, stay with the product for a while, what's the experience like a few months in? Once maybe my low-hanging fruit questions are answered, what sort of insights can I start to get then? Or do I typically get in my day-to-day workflow once i become an experienced user?
1: Yeah, I would say it's really just getting it as a day-to-day workflow. and. Helping other users, <laughs> So it's like a, you know, knowledge base of your data, right? So initially, like we have kind of like our own, like, you know, chart of reaching the data discoverability, like full data discoverability of an organization, which starts from having the data platform team to first Like, incorporate Selectstar, ensure that all the physical metadata is showing correctly and is in there. Whereas, like, the next step would be for data analyst teams and data scientists team to start utilizing Selectstar, adding some high level tags and uh, some documentation. And then uh, the next level will be kind of like making sure that ops users and other Quote unquote citizen data analysts to be more comfortable utilizing FlexStar instead of always going back to going to the data team for support for them to start finding information. And uh, during this uh, second and third phase is where we start recommending the users to add more tags, ownership, and documentation. And this also in this phase, uh, you can start adding documentation, we have a metrics documentation, which is like a more metrics definition, as well as like high level concept documentation that you can start using, which will get to a point where the last phase where you can uh, start onboarding more business users onto SelectStar. So uh, throughout the cycle, I would say what we see consistently, you know, after the first two, three months and then another two, three months after and then another is new, uh, somewhat new set of users starting to get acclimated to SelectStar because and starting to get value out of it in different ways and kind of starting to contribute their, their knowledge or their context into the platform and this happens during uh, first as like a data dictionary like tables and columns documentation to a metrics and concept documentation and also uh, we have a discussion which is like a comments on uh, any comments questions answers uh, a lot of that and that is all searchable within select star so i would say that's like where the full cycle of communication answers documentation and update of uh, both metadata and the context being happening, uh, which c- can like be applicable, not just for the t- uh, technical team, but also for the business teams.
0: Well, I'd love to expand on documentation. I think everyone agrees it's kind of important, but we've all had our own frustrating experiences with it. To what degree is the documentation auto-generated and, and what are some of the ways you've seen people be successful with your tool and documentation?
1: Yeah, documentation is something that we all want that we all benefit from, something that not, not, not something that we want to do. <laughs> so the part that we are, I mean, we, I would say we are continuously trying to make this experience uh, easier, but today what we do is first and foremost, bringing out any existing documentation to SelectStar. So we will automatically load anything that's been already defined in your database, uh, your BI tool, your DVT report, or dbt models. Or even if you have it in a different tool, you can also upload a CSV file to update them all together. And within the UI, it's very easy to just like one click and update and it will be saved. On top of that, the part that I mentioned earlier uh, related to propagating the description is something that a lot of our customers are starting to use. This is actually just got released like a couple of weeks ago. And this allows you to basically update or write once And uh, have it propagated everywhere. So if let's say you have a description in your raw table that can be replicated to like thousands of other columns that uses that specific data within the page, we determine whether the data has been inherited directly versus whether the data has been aggregated or transformed. So the replicate, the propagation happens only for the ones the columns that are using the data as is, and we actually do this the same way for tags propagation. So if you have a PII tag and you want to find all the columns that's using this uh, same data, like actual like a you know field and not like count of SSN, like it's, it's basically an example. And last but not least, we have our own quote unquote what we use as a suggested documentation. So if we observe Uh, You you didn't necessarily propagate the documentation, but if we observe an existing documentation that can be a match, then we will uh, show it in gray instead of like black, which is like a user defined documentation that user can also edit but the suggested documentation will be shown. So if let's say you have entered your LookML model, but not on the table side, then you will still see like the documentation that came from your LookML, because like we will look at the lineage and uh, see that the documentation already exists there. And similarly, the part that we are starting to add a lot more, uh, and this actually just happened along with Five Trends documentation. So like any, like, raw tables that were loaded from Five Trends, there are like SaaS tools that everybody uses, like Salesforce, Stripe, Google Ads, Facebook Ads. A lot of those documentation is already in as, as a quote public referenceable docs. And if we match the table and column level, uh, we will actually just like fill in the documentation for you as a suggested doc. So these are ways that we are trying to make this uh, much a lot easier to have somewhat of the fuller data dictionary for your physical metadata. On top of that, as you start creating data uh, metrics, Definition and document, like concept documentation. Within any descriptions of select star, as well as anything in the discussion, like comments, you can mention users, tables, columns, dashboards, any assets. And from there, you will also create like a backlink underneath so that you can, let's say, doc- have like a one uh, large documentation that explains all the core concepts. And anything that you mention there, you will see the backlink on that table. So even if you have like one document with like 10 different table mentioned, all those tables will have that document as a link. So this allows you to also not having to document many places in different ways. And you can like manage like basically a fewer number of documents that has relevance to multiple uh, physical data assets.
0: Very neat. Well, data lineage is one of the particular features that most caught my attention when I was researching SelectStar. I've been in a lot of meetings where there was some report pulled up and people said, how did we get to that exact number and did it account for all of these other things? Could you describe a little bit about the user experience? When I have a question about a number, how can I trace it back?
1: Yeah, that is uh, definitely a common use case of data lineage. We have, uh, I would say, uh, Main use cases of data lineage. One is when an engineer is thinking about changing a table or structure of the table, they get to see what the downstream impact will look like, who's going to get impacted, which tables or dashboards are going to break. So being able to find that right away, also down to the column level. Like What happens more often than you think is either somebody changing a column type or a column name that may break like a bunch of dashboards. The second example, the second use case, would be the vice versa, the part that you just mentioned. I'm an analyst, and I was just asked, "Why is this number wrong? Like, why does this number look like this?" And I might not have even created the dashboard, but I'm because I'm kind of quote unquote in the data team support channel. I should, and I'm like the on on call support. Uh, I may have to answer that question. So now, if without lineage, you will have to go like find that you know, query within the dashboard and look at like what type of tables and columns it's querying, understand, is this the query that's wrong? Or is this the data that hasn't been updated most recently? Or somebody has made a change most recently? So like that can be like multiple different questions. And from here, column level data lineage will show uh, directly like which like chart is querying which specific column. And if that's the correct one, then you can just go find uh, whether that table it's querying has been updated most recently and we not, right? So that is a, definitely a one part that some of our customers really use, uh, utilize select star for. And last but not least, another so traditional, I would say, also usage of data lineage has always been more on the migration side. We've also seen it with some of our customers doing migration of their BI tool or their data warehouse, where they can see the full data model in uh, one go so that they can make sure that uh, everything is uh, migrated correctly into their new data stack. So yeah, those are the areas that we've been seeing, uh, where lineage can be really useful. And for select star, we really, we really like try to use lineage, uh, first along with popularity, because like, you know, when you are propagating tags or descriptions or even like owners and whatnot, like these are, when you look at it with popularity, it adds more context of whether it, Makes sense for deprecate or and also like notification of other users. Being able to see top users along with that is also the other part of it. When you do all the owners assigned, but you if you can find out all the top users, this is like great way to also notify everyone that has let's say like touched the table in the last thirty days or seen the dashboard in the last thirty days to let them know that you are planning to like deprecate the dashboard or deprecate the table. And the other use case that I mentioned before that's also specific to SelectStar is propagation of information like tags, documentation, and ownership.
0: And this lineage, could you expand a little bit more on how you're able to track it? I mean, if I have some ETL tool out there doing some data transformations, I don't know that you have visibility into that. What's the level to which you can probe to get information about how data has moved around?
1: So today, this is primarily happening through, parsing through the SQL queries, data models, and anything that's like, you know, more of in the structure of um gamma files or JSON files that we see. So we plan to expand to more like, you know, uh, Spark jobs or also integrated into like ETL systems like Airflow and whatnot. But even without those so far for major cloud data warehouses and BI tools, uh, we were able to store the full lineage in detail. So the way that we look at the lineage is by first looking into the types of queries that generates different tables. So this these are all DDL or DML queries, like create table as select, uh, merge, update, uh, or insert that includes a select query. Uh, so that's like where the lineage first gets generated. Uh, sometimes we definitely see ETL jobs that's Like creating a table that's like under like a temp schema or it's called temp, and then uh, once the the, all the data is loaded, then it swaps with the like a main table. So we have a few like a traits that we look out for in order to make that between the upstream of the temp table as well as like the along with the actual table, so that you can get the full lineage, but not with the you know all the temp tables that you don't necessarily want to see, or it's like a duplicative of the tables. So any of these jobs, you can also define them as like a quote unquote service account. And those queries won't affect the popularity as much. Does that answer your question?
0: Definitely. Well, I'm wondering also if you're curious at all about uh, column names and things like that. It's always occurred to me that AVG underscore order underscore value, uh, pretty much anyone who works with databases knows or has some expectation about what's in that column. Maybe not every column is quite as transparent. Is there anything natural language processing can do to help you help users understand their data?
1: That's a great question. Right now, we don't have like a NLP specific help on the search front, but we do have some fuzzy search enabled so that anything that I guess like fuzzy search is backed by NLP. So uh, maybe that's uh, uh, where I should make this this more fancy. But (laughs) if you are misspelling something, or if there are similar words, then uh, we will match those keywords by default. So those are already baked in. I do also think that there are many different ways that the customers really put like a prefixes or postfixes to indicate what type of data this is or what aggregation or grain this data is using. So I think that's where also search really can help on filtering through the different names. One of the views that we have is kind of like seeing all your columns within the database in one one place. And that's like a, one thing that some of our customers use to basically define or understand how different tables are, how th- different column names have been already created. And we'll also detect which columns have joins already associated with it. So even if you may not have primary key, foreign key defined, you'll be able to know which might be the join key you might want to use.
0: And can you talk a little bit, maybe tease some of the roadmap? What's the future for SelectStar?
1: Oh, there's so much to, things to do. And there's so, so, so many possibilities with the metadata. And also, as we are increasing more integrations down the road. So in the first quarter, we focused on helping users to put high-level documentation and having this expanded relationship between the physical metadata and the domain-level documentation. And uh, going into Q2, we are going to start introducing uh, more advanced features like fine-grain access control, audit logs, and some analytics behind Select Star, so that more customers can implement different workflows of either like getting access or having uh, some kind of like a approval flow uh, for their uh, SelectStar instance. We've started a lot of the use cases as companies just wanting to make sure that their, all of their data mark systems are available to everyone. But today, more and more customers are uh, starting to use SelectStar in a more advanced way. And this is like one of the major uh, hence features that's coming up. Q3, Q4, rest of the year, a uh, lot of other integrations and also Ways to uh, enhance our user experience uh, currently are scheduled. There's a lot to build here.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, for listeners who want to learn a little bit more or see if it's right for their organization, where can they go online to check out SelectStar?
1: Today, just selectstar.com. We have a 14-day trial. It is fully self-service, so you can just connect your data sources and get going right away. Most customers actually finish their setup Within minutes, even if you have lots of data, it will take just a couple hours to load everything. And we email you once the data is fully loaded. And yeah, it's, it's uh, fairly easy to use, I would say. So that's where you can start. Obviously, I'm, you know, available anytime through the intro or <laughs> also over email. We also have a Slack group that uh, we invite our users to ask questions to. So those are areas that people can also ask questions and uh, reach out to us as well.
0: Sounds good. Well, Shinji, thank you so much for taking the time to come on Software Engineering Daily.
1: Thanks so much, Kyle, for having me here. I really enjoyed talking to you today.